Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. Hey guys, it's Ruben from Dub, and this is Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. I'm psyched to talk to Andy Willis today. We have a lot of things that we're going to talk about just actually heard from Andy is that there's a program that he has that ends up with a group of people going to the French Alps. I cannot wait to hear about that. Uh, big fan of Carpe Diem. You know, what's the Robin Williams film that I fell in love with? The name is escaping me. Love that film. Love that scene. <laughs> Andy, what is the story? How did you get in that chair? What's going on? Okay, first, I'll clear that movie title up for you. It's a Dead Poet Society, and it's amazing. Boom. Movie. Love so that. how did I end up in this chair? Well, my backstory is that I went into business some 20 years ago. It was a conference and event management business, built a very, very successful business. I was running up to million dollar events all around the world. But the problem I had was I actually was trapped working in that business. You know, it was a, a very, very successful business, but I was basically the business was my life. So I was spending seven days a week, long hours working in the business and consequently missing out on a lot of life. I was deferring, uh, doing other stuff until later. So what happens, I had a bit of a life change back in 2012, which in the form of a, a marriage breakup, uh, which become an opportunity in my travels with the conference business, I'd actually come across a book called The 4-Hour Workweek, which uh, many people I know have read. I still don't believe in The 4-Hour Workweek, but I love the concept of being able to operate your business working from anywhere. So I decided to do that. I decided to transition my conference and event management business to uh, work from anywhere. Long story short, I've just went ahead and did it. I've been to France before. I'm a, a crazy keen cyclist. So I'd been to France with a group of mates back in 2010. Said I'd always wanted to go back there. So I decided to book a trip to France. I booked my flights. I booked a month's accommodation in the French Alps, packed my bike, my laptop and my bag up and off I went to the French Alps and decided I'd run my business from there for a month. I left a staff member at home and I run my business from there. I cycled, I immersed myself in community. I spoke really, really poor French and nothing went wrong. So much so that the following year I went back for two months and the year after that for three months. And all those times I was operating my business. You know, I had some really big events on while I was over there, but I was able to run these really big events or organize these really big events while I was in the French Alps. It not only changed, it was actually life changed, not only changed the way I worked, it actually changed the way I lived my life. And how did that get me to here? Well, I'd come back from those trips and I'd run into my colleagues, my friends in business, and I'd see that they were in exactly the same position as I was. They work in long hours, just trapped in their businesses, and they're basically deferring living life until later. And it really disturbed me because I'd seen the alternative. I'd experienced the alternative. It absolutely changed my life. As you get older, you see people that actually don't make it to retirement. They either don't make it or their health isn't so good when they get to retirement. So based on a good friend, Robin Williams, unfortunately, who's no longer with us, I do live by the mantra, seize the day. So I decided I'd make it my life purpose to actually help other 
business owners that are in exactly the same position as me to transition their business and transition their lives. So that's where working from anywhere was born, basically. Well, that's the journey and that's definitely nonlinear in nature. And I think that through kind of struggle and through some realization and through some personal growth, it sounds like you discovered something and it sounds like a framework. It sounds like an idea. It sounds like a philosophy, but it's also a lifestyle for you, a lifestyle business specifically. And I think that it's really exciting that you incorporate travel and this mindset into what it is that you do. I mean, my background, I like to say that I sort of front loaded my retirement because I spent the most of my 20s traveling. I traveled to just about 30 countries, Europe, Asia, Central America, anywhere I could get my hands on. And the journey was real for me. And it was that whole discovery process where I learned a lot about myself and learned about conflict, learn about the human condition. And that's changed who I am. And that has been integrated into my overall mindset. I completely agree with you that businesses can be virtual in nature. You know, we don't need to be physically next to one another. I'm here in an office in Los Angeles. There's someone else that's in mid Wilshire. There's someone else that's in North Hollywood in the business. There's some people in the Philippines. There's some people in China there's someone on the East Coast and the story goes on. So we are a very virtual company. So I completely agree with you and I'm inspired by that. Yeah, there's a really big difference that I work through in my program and you bring up mindset and that's a huge one. Uh, one of the big things is there are many organizations, many people working remotely, but really big difference between just working remotely and actually integrating work and life as one. And that's the big, big realization for me. You can work remotely and go from your office to another place, but still take the same bad habits, which are a time thing where you still work eight till four or nine till five or eight at night or whatever. So yes, you're working remotely, but the big difference in what I share with people is actually about work-life integration. So it's a, as much about the time you work and working with your energy and working by fitting your work around your life rather a life around your work. So, you know, over in the French Alps, I'm in a completely different time zone. So there's only a two or three hour window that I can actually physically work with people. So I learned to schedule my day around that. You know, if it's a nice morning, I go for a bike ride in the morning and then come back and work. And the same here, I'm tough, I'm right next to the beach here. If I'm working during the day and I need a bit of uh, lag and a bit of energy, I'll go for a walk to the beach for an hour, two hours or do something and then come back and work. And in a, a family situation, if you've got children and you want to go and see you know, your kids at you know, one of their school perform, you know, performances or put sporting events, if you're working remotely, but you're sticking to that time schedule, then you're not integrating work and life as one. You've got to, you know, it's all about the mindset and getting away from how we're conditioned to live our life. And that's day-to-day -day life and the conditioning even of, you know, we work for 40 years, then we retire, then we live life. I'm all about bringing that window forward where we're integrating work and life right from earlier on. And you're not waiting until retirement to do the things you really love. You're doing it at the peak of your health. Sorry, I'm pretty passionate about that. <laughs> well, as, as am I, and I'm admiring your sweatshirt as I, as I look at you in this video call here, WFA Life, will yep. work from anywhere life. Definitely connect to that on multiple levels. I remember it was in my college years, I studied abroad in Madrid, Spain, and I'd never heard of the concept of a siesta. 
and I don't take siestas now, but when I went to Spain, and I think they were much more popular back then, I don't know if, if they are now with our global village, but nevertheless, I remember being in Madrid and living with a widowed woman, very sweet woman, her name was Maria San Jose Dolores, right close to the Atocha Renfe exit in Madrid, Spain. Hopefully she's still around, I've not spoken to her in years, but sweetest woman ever. And she taught me this simple phrase, I mean, I think she sort of compared European or at least Spanish folks to Western folks, American folks, really. And it was a simple phrase. She says, trabajar para vivir, no vivir para trabajar, which means work to live, don't live to work. (laughs) And the mindset here really was to find a way to have that work-life balance and to figure out a way to be able to go to your kids' performances, to do the things that you want walk on the beach, go for a bike ride, but then also get your work done, be productive. Um, One of the things that I kind of suffer from is this idea of the water cooler lollygagging. You know, in corporate America, a lot of us do it if we're in that environment where just we spend a lot of time in that kind of proverbial water cooler conversation mode, just chatting with folks. And, you know, my philosophy is when you're working, work, but then when you're playing, go play. You don't need to do a 12-hour workday to get all your stuff done. You can actually get a lot of stuff done if you're productive, if you have the right tools, if you have the right resources. I'd love to get how to maintain work-life balance while still being productive. As you say, it's about prioritizing and it's about being in the moment. So when you are working and when you do take a break and come back from that break, it's actually a lot easier to focus. So it's about being really focused when you are working. And as you say, when you're doing something else, whether it's walking on the beach, although in saying that walking on the beach is some of the most productive time I've ever had, as was walking between the apartment I have in the French Alps And I often used to go into Café de Paris, it was called, a a cafe in in the village that has amazing internet connections. So I go in there and work. But the walk between the apartment and the village is about 25 minutes and you prepare yourself for the day. So by the time you get there, instead of getting up and being straight at your computer and trying to think, you've actually, you've prepared your mind for the day. So that in itself is really productive. The myth, you know, standing in front of a computer or sitting in front of a computer straight away, 12 hours a day is productive, is rubbish. You know, some of the most productive time is when you're not in front of that computer. So it's about using that space, you know, that walk uh, to actually be productive in your mind and preparing yourself. And, and your point on afternoon siestas, when I'm in France, it doesn't get dark until 10 o'clock. So the days are really long. I got into having an afternoon nap every afternoon and still got hiking, cycling and a day's working. That's amazing. So it's almost like your days are like most people's weekend days because a weekend for most people are hiking, biking, cycling, going to the beach and so on and so forth. For you, you figured out a way to incorporate that into your kind of daily flow, daily existence. And that's inspiring. And it's not about balance either. It is, you know, I believe there is, there's not work and there's life. There is only life. That's my life. It's not my work-life balance. It's just my life. I love that. I'm looking at some statistics on your LinkedIn page, which are pretty intriguing here. I wanted to explore these a little bit. 77% of remote workers report greater productivity while working offsite, with 30% accomplishing more in less time and 24% accomplishing more in the same amount of time than those on site. Talk to me about that. What's the dynamic there? 
Yeah, well, that's a report, you know, I sourced online, of course, but the statistics and what I believe get back to your water cooler, because when you're working in those focus time, you, you're not distracted by the day-to-day conversations all the time. You control those conversations rather than being continually distracted by the water cooler, the other people, the people come walking into the office and asking questions. And you've got more opportunity to actually be in the moment, be focused. So it gets back to being present in the moment, focused when you're working. And then when you're not, you know, when you're doing something else, being in that moment. So, you know, it's about a lack of distraction. This second statistic is pretty interesting to me as a parent. According to a survey by FlexJobs, 91% of working parents are stressed with their work-life balance. More importantly, 90% believe that work flexibility can help that. That is just the truth right there. Absolutely. And it's unfortunate that parents are missing out because, yes, we all have to work for a huge percentage of our life, but because of the way we've been conditioned and because of the inflexible practices, that means that, yes, they're stressed, but they're also missing out because they have to juggle their work time as opposed to their workload around you know the times that they have to work and then they have to juggle the kids and getting them to school and yeah it's a lack of flexibility and that's what brings on the stress and there's an easy resolution to it most jobs these days are outcome based does it really Mm. do you have to be there specific times to get that outcome I I totally agree with you on that one. Uh, One of the philosophies that I've really tried to adopt is a daily output cycle. And what that means is whatever it is that you're working on, it can be pieced, it can be chunked into smaller pieces, whether it's a technology that you're building or a product or a press release that you're writing or a blog post or a strategy, whatever it is, you can break it into smaller pieces. So the philosophy that I've adopted is get an output, set a goal, and then make that a thing for the day, you know, by X o'clock, commit to doing that. And by sort of reverse engineering that goal, that accomplishment that you have to achieve, you actually start to inherently work more productively because you know that, hey, listen, by six o'clock, I have to have a 10 slide deck done and I need to have that ready and presentable. Now it's not perfect. It's not ready. It's going to go through 12 different iterations, but at the same time, I'm going to have something presentable. Um, You know, in my case, one of the things that I've really done is that instead of having that internal doc that internal piece, I always try to actually make an external piece, a piece of content. So whether it's an announcement video or whether it's a short social media thing or whether it's a couple of tweets or a blog post or whatever, I try to make something that's internal actually turn into something that's content-based, that's external, that now becomes a form of marketing, a form of original content, something to engage our listeners, our followers, you know, our users, educate to entertain to give them some sort of delight and then sort of iterate that process until I accomplish my larger bigger goals so that's really helped me to just be in that mindset of output and sort of a content focused strategy that's really helped me personally yeah actually and that yeah repurposing is is an amazing amazing thing but just uh, coincidentally, this week, uh, my sister actually, I'm in, here in Australia, my sister lives in Bali. She said this week, hey, let's do a five-day, let's commit to one thing each day, tell each other what it is, and we have to do that one task or project, that one commitment each day. So we've actually been doing that this week where we just declared, okay, by today, I will have this particular one thing done. So not five things, one thing. And yeah, we've been doing that actually this week and it's working really well. 
One of the things that I like to do as well, a little life hack that I have is I call it the uh, the tomato timer. And this is actually a philosophy I think that someone had invented. I don't know the source on this, but it's essentially a 15 minute or a 25 minute timer. And there's an app for this and there's a couple of websites and it's, it's just a silly da- countdown clock. Yeah. And you kind of, spe- you say, listen, in 25 minutes, I'm going to hit start and then it's going to count down to zero. And yeah. that 25 minute clock is that's your timer. Now, it's a little bit of stress initially, a little bit of anxiety because it's a clock and a TikTok situation. By having that, it really puts me into these sprints where I can say, okay, within the next 25 minutes, I'm going to get something done. Just today, I actually did this where we have something that we're going to be announcing for Dub, the video communication platform, where it's basically Dub 4.0. And it's a whole bunch of features that we're going to be launching, Dub leads, a WordPress plugin, Gmail integration, YouTube integration. This is actually the first time I'm mentioning it, but it's going to be a really exciting update. And I wanted to record my announcement video. So where I park, I went to the top of the rooftop and I had my phone and I say, within 20 minutes, I'm going to record my announcement video. And I'm still working on a lot of these announcements as to what these features are. So a lot of it was sort of writing, but just by having that goal of recording something within 20 minutes and knowing that I needed to get an output by the time I was done with that, it really actually helped me and it actually liberated me because guess what? Nothing is perfect. And I had three hours, I would have spent three hours and the outcome probably wouldn't have been as, as good because it was genuine and it was authentic and it was just punchy and to the point. So, you know, for me, I live within constraints as a creative person, you know, as a person that wanders and that's thinking of always about big visions. I really need that constraint. That really keeps me in line. So I always look for stuff like that to help me. Fantastic. You're right. Whatever time you've got, you fill, you know, I've often done videos and end up doing 50 takes. And then if you've only got a short amount of time, you can do it in two. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. It's like when you have that constraint, it actually liberates you because if you stay, you know, I've got an hour to do this, you're going to spend the hour and you're going to continue to write while you're recording you know, or contemplate while you're executing. And that process actually becomes very exhausting because you have all parts of your brain that's working, which is probably a good exercise, but it's a little bit stressful because it's hard to actually to get that output. (laughs) So, you know, I I think it's important just to know that whatever we're going to do is not going to be always 100% perfect. And that through iteration and that through just getting it done sometimes helps us. Not to mention by putting something out there, you have something to go look at and to pontificate and to figure out, hey, do I actually really like that? That guy that I'm watching on that screen or that deck or those slides or that blog post, that press release, do I like the way that it sounds as a third party, as an external source that's reading it? So I think it gives you some altitude, gives you some perception on it. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, sort of cycles, I'd love to hear about your cycling. So you're a biker, right? Talk to me about this. I'm reading all sorts of interesting things. Uh, I'm looking at some photos on your LinkedIn page here. Uh, there's some amazing photos on, oh, not so much on LinkedIn, but there's, yeah. Uh, so I, yes, I spend three months every year in the French Alps. I've been cycling for 25, 30 years. I just love it. It's, uh, and I've since taken up hiking in the French Alps, but cycling, I'm built for going up hills. I love going up hills and cycling in the French Alps is like nothing else in the world. You cycle up hills, you go around mountains off roads that sort of somehow hang off the edge of mountains through tunnels. It's just, you know, you can drive somewhere, but when you're on a bike, you get to feel everything and it's just amazing. And Cycling in the French Alps in particular is just incredible. You know, you're up in the mountains, you're up high, 
the scenery is just incredible. There's no better feeling. And it's a place to exercise or any form of activity is actually good for your body and your mind. So really couldn't live without cycling. It's, uh, I've had some of my greatest ideas and probably some of my worst ideas on, on a bike. But yeah, it opens the mind and the body. And question for you, very random. What month of the year were you born? I was born in May. That is random. <laughs> that is random. The reason why I'm asking that is I want to figure out what uh, I am not so into astrology and I'm not into kind of earth sciences like this, but I want to know if you're an earth sign, if you're a water sign. I'm just curious about that. Do you know offhand? No, I don't actually know. I spend time in both. I live on the coast and spend three months in the mountains. So I do nothing in between. You know, I love that I actually sup surf as well. So taking up uh, stand up paddle surfing. So I spend nine months near the water and three months up in the mountains and nothing in between. The reason why I say this is because someone within the last year actually told me that I was a water sign and mm -hmm. I actually didn't. And I started to do a little bit of research on this and I looked into this and I started to realize that a lot of my best ideas, a lot of my best thinking comes when I'm around water. <laughs> I went swimming this morning at 7 a.m. and I came up with a couple of ideas, something that I sort of really excited about, still excited about actually. Awesome. Sometimes when I'm washing my hands, sometimes when I'm in the shower. <laughs> And I started to do a little bit of research on that and I was sort of intrigued by it. I'm still not sort of crazy about astrology or anything like that, but yeah. sometimes I like if I find someone that has a certain connection, a certain affinity towards earth, towards water and so on and so forth. Sometimes I like to ask that. So oh, uh, you good. might consider looking at that to see if there's any gems in there for you. Yeah, I'll definitely have a look at that. <laughs> yeah. So there's another kind of topic that I wanted to bring up, which is video. So as you know, you know, Dub is all about video. We empower people to use video, share, create feedback. I know that you're a Dub user. I'd love to get your feedback at some point, but I'd love to understand how you're leveraging the channel of video for your business. So you obviously work remote. You have unique hours. You have a lot of tools at your disposal. You have obviously a lot of great technology. I'd love to learn about your workflow and how you specifically use video. I use video in so many different areas, Ruben. It's, it's really changed how I do business. So marketing-wise, of course, I use video. And I'm very fortunate having three months in an amazing place with amazing mountains and amazing lakes. I made absolutely the most out of that. So I do a lot of my short videos, my LinkedIn videos, and sharing the message videos on my bike in the mountains, up hiking in the mountains with amazing backdrop. And that also carries across what my life is like. You know, it really conveys my message because that is actually my life. So I'm telling, sharing my message and my concepts and what I'm trying to get out there, actually living it. A couple of other ways I use it, I have online tutorials as part of my program. Uh, so I, of course, use video for the online tutorials. It's so much easier than screenshots and, you know, text and everything. Uh, the other thing I've recently started using it for with really great success is instead of sending a text or paper proposal, I actually do my proposal by video. So when I, I've had a call with someone, I then work through the program with a screen share and I'm able to get the message across and what the program's all about a lot easier than the written word. So 
I do that. And another use case is throughout my program, when people run into a challenge, whether it's technical or otherwise, instead of a phone call or an email, I actually just quickly do a screen share a video saying, okay, this is how you resolve that problem. I'm able to do it like that. It takes me 30 seconds sometimes. It's done and dusted. So I'm using video everywhere and it's just amazing. And you've been able to use Dub and some of the features that you've got in Dub, explore them even more, is just incredible. Especially for the fact that you don't necessarily have to edit anything. You just take the video, send the link, done and dusted. So, and that happens whether you're solving a, a support question or whether you're doing the proposal video, all those areas. So I use it everywhere. I just absolutely love it. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, that gives actually a lot of context as to why Dub even exists. One of the problems that we're really trying to solve is communication, really. I mean, when you slice it down, it comes down to ideas, the conveyance of information, and trust, really. So we learned early that when people can communicate with video either synchronously like this or asynchronously where a video is recorded and sent, that it really magnifies and skyrockets comprehension rates, understanding rates, and then of course trust rates, which as a result then increases conversions, increases yep. sales, increases revenue. It just makes more sense for people. It's tough to get people on webinar calls like this, conference calls like this. There's a lot of scheduling, there's a lot of coordination. You know, this is why we sort of leaned into the whole kind of asynchronous video creation, video sharing, and then video tracking. So I love what you said. I love your use case about proposal walkthroughs. It's a big oh, part of, yeah, I love that. I think that's really intelligent because when you have someone that's at the bottom of the funnel, that's ready to sign, the last thing that you want is for that person to not have to trust, to not understand the contract, to not understand the proposal, and then as a result, lose trust, lose interest, and then disappear. Either go to a competitor or just completely ghost and disappear. So we encourage that. And I really think that, you know, you're onto something. And I think that you're definitely an early adopter in this movement. So I think we're both riding this wave. And I think that there's going to be a lot of success, there's going to be a lot of adoption, and eventually, total ubiquity for video just for communication and business. Yeah. On the proposal, and I've actually specifically uh, got direct feedback from people because close people that, you know, good friends that or people that I'm close to that I've actually also worked with on how was that, you know, did that, was that easier getting your proposal, uh, me demonstrating what the program is all about by video and everything, it's been a hundred percent positive. You said, was so much easier. I was able to demonstrate it more clearly. I was able to pause the video. I was able to share it with someone else. And that it was so much easier to get that, uh, what you're trying to get across in a, a much more concise and a consumable way. So I've had some amazing feedback from doing that. I've only started it recently, but it's been fantastic. That's great to hear. Tell us more about your program. Yeah, so the program is a six-month program because that's how long it takes. A lot of the organisations, a lot of people I work with have established businesses, but they're trapped working in their businesses, just as I explained earlier. So the program is goes through five steps, but the program is made up of one-on-one -on -one sessions, mastermind sessions, and online tutorials. All works together. It's not a, an online program. So there's fortnightly one-on-one -on -one sessions and fortnightly mastermind sessions. 
it starts with what's called a business diagnostic. So we have a look at the business and diagnose what you have in place now, what you want your outcome to be, where you want to go in the future. And we base, uh, we create a unique plan based on your desired outcomes, basically. And then we put the program in place. You're directed to uh, the tutorials in the online program that fit with your particular program. We have a one-on-one -on -one session each fortnight and every other week is a mastermind session, which are as powerful as anything in the program because we only have seven people on each program. That's absolute maximum. That's all I work with because I work individually very closely with each program member. The mastermind, the, all seven people, six or seven people are on a mastermind and some they share a challenge or two or three people share a challenge and together as a group, they look to resolve that and share some of their challenges. So the, the benefits there are you actually hearing things that you wouldn't have even thought about that you can actually implement in your business. Some of the other masterminds, we actually invite experts on to come and share their knowledge. So we've got David Jennings, who's a systems guru. He's coming up, he comes on and shares his knowledge about systems. Uh, we use his system called System Hub throughout the program and we've got some other people we've got Meryl Johnson who will come on and talk about financial literacy so we have to bring experts into the program out external experts as well into the program but yeah it's all about systemizing your business so you can actually spend time outside of your business living life outside of your business it's a lot about mindset it's not just the tools there's a lot of people out there systemizing helping people systemize their businesses for me for this program for the work from anywhere program it's all about the very end result which is the living it part of the program which you mentioned every six month program finishes with a one-week retreat in the French Alps. This is the ultimate outcome we want for people so they can actually live this work-life integration and really understand and take that home with them into their lives so you know they just haven't systemized their business. They've actually changed their life. So they go home and the conversations we had, the first Carpe Diem retreat in the French Alps this year were so powerful. We had emotions, we had tears. It was just life-changing. I, I get goosebumps thinking about the conversations we had. This changes people's lives so they can have a better life. They can stop deferring their uh, life until retirement actually sees every day. So in a nutshell, <laughs> that's what the program is all about. Well, that's very beautiful. I love that vision. Can you give us some very kind of actionable advice here on how we can implement these philosophies that you mentioned? I mean, what are some things that we can do right now in our lives to improve our lives? The first thing I probably always say to people is stop and ask yourself why you're doing something. One of the big things for me is a lot of people are building really big businesses or trying to build. Their first thought is building a huge business and that's fantastic and that works for some people, but it doesn't work for other people. So stop and ask yourself what you want. Why are you in business? How much money do you really need? You know, what is the end goal and how much time is that going to take out of your life? And think about what you're giving up to do that. And it comes back to, I don't know if you've heard the Mexican fisherman story. And that is, you know, the end goal is to sit around and fish each day at your own leisure. And to do that, you have to build in a great business so you can relax when you're already doing it to start with by having a smaller business. You know, it's not necessarily... Practical steps, working through the program, 
come and chat to me. The program, you know, you've got to put your business in the cloud. And that's your first step. The mindset around letting go of control and making sure you've got processes in place so other people can do the tasks you don't necessarily have to do. And that's a really big one. Most people are trapped in their businesses because they're the only ones that know how to do stuff. They're the only ones that know the answers to the questions because it's all in their head. So it's about getting those processes out of your head, putting them, yes, it takes a little bit of time, into a system which we use System Hub for and then looking for other people to and I know you mentioned Philippines, you've you know got people that you outsource to. It's a, a lot of people spend a lot of the time doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing when they could be spending time doing stuff that really adds value to their customers, their clients and themselves in particular. So yeah, that's probably the advice I give is you know ask yourself why you're doing stuff. You know, why you're doing what you're doing. I think it's an important question. I was recently listening. I was actually in an Uber and I was um, listening to George Michael and you know, I'm an old George Michael fan, old Wham fan. And you know, I was listening and I had forgotten if he was alive or dead. <laughs> and I was like, how could I forget if he's not living anymore? So I did a quick Google search and of course I realized that he passed away. He passed away a number of years ago. And I started to do a little bit of research on his death and the cause of death. And, you know, he died from quote unquote natural causes. He died in his sleep, comfortably at peace. He had some heart palpitation issues. I think there was some history of this. Um, I think he sort of kept it quiet for the most part. But I started to contemplate that a little bit. And I started to think about a person like George Michael, who, of course, in the 80s was this megastar. And still throughout his entire life was a highly respected, was he a knight? I don't know. But, you know, a very financially successful, you know, happy person. And here to think that age, you know, 50, early 50s, I think 52 or 53, you know, he passes away. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, what a sad story, right? What a great mind, what a great yeah. talent, sort of just lost. And, you know, you think with all the money that he had accumulated, with all the hit records, with all the shows and the sellouts of all the auditoriums, that he's gone and he's dust and his wealth now is God knows where. And he doesn't get to enjoy it. And, you know, now he's in the ether, hopefully in a better place, depending on what you believe in. But it's just ironic that we go through our lives hustling to go get that cash, to go get that money, to go get that paycheck. And a lot of us, ironically, don't even end up enjoying it. You know, and that's a really sad thing for me. I connect to you on that level of really understanding why it is that you're doing what you're doing and not doing it just for this delayed outcome in this deferred retirement where, quote unquote, one day you're going to be enjoying your life at age you know, X <laughs> yes. because maybe the day is never going to come. And you know what? Those words right behind you on that whiteboard, Carpe Diem sees the day is probably the best advice that we can give people. Uh, it's not a cliche. It's the most yeah. important thing that we can share. Absolutely. Because there is the biggest certainty in life, which is uh, we will all die at one stage. But the other thing we don't think about is the biggest uncertainty. And that is we don't know when that time is. Yeah. So they always say live your life and live every day like it's your last. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Don't say it. Do I it. certainly don't. Certainly don't do that because no. I'd probably be, I don't know, skydiving right now or, you know, with you in Australia or in the French Alps. I don't know. But I guess what I have found in my happiness is, you know, I had a good bottle of Pinot Noir last night, at least a glass or two. 
and you know moments with people and sharing those special sort of interactions with people. Um, someone asked me yesterday, that's actually helping me write a book, funny enough, called Tentatively Called Quick Record, but it's about human stories and it's about how people have leveraged video to liberate themselves from a career perspective, but also to overcome some great challenges and to live better lives, kind of like in this discussion what we're talking about. Yeah. And one of my key takeaways here is that you know, if we're living in fear, if we are not truly in, enjoying the moment and realizing it and being on our purpose, then we're missing out. Yeah, absolutely. And every, like you say, every person has their own version of whatever that is. My version is three months in the French outs, but you know, if your version, you know, other people's version may be spending time with family, grandkids, friends, you know, playing golf, going fishing, whatever it may be. But yeah, we only get one chance. We only get one moment of every day, just the one. So, yeah, don't waste it. So here's kind of a question for you, kind of bring it back in a little bit. What is your advice to business owners, to leaders, to HR managers, to folks that are implementing the mindsets, the philosophies, the systems that we're discussing in this in this call? I mean, how can this be taken into corporate Ameri not necessarily America, but really the corporate village. What's the movement that has to happen here? I think the movement has already started. There are some really big organizations that are already doing this. But I think what I say to them, and it, it, gets, it comes back to the, the integration thing, is you know, don't just set your organization up to work remotely. Give your people, your team, real flexibility. You know, make it outcome-based. You know, they can do that. Give your team real flexibility. Yeah, it's already happening. Big organizations move into remote and flexible working systems. But yeah, all I can say is, yeah, and employees have got to be part of it too. You know, speak up. They're going, the retention rates for employees that have flexibility, I believe, I can't quote the statistics completely, but you have more chance of retaining your team member if uh, you give them the opportunity to actually live life and work at your organization. Well, one of the things that's become popular, I think it really started in Silicon Valley is this idea of unlimited vacation. And uh, I think the idea here is that if you show people that you trust them and if you give them that option to take as much vacation as they'd like, yeah. that they're actually going to respect it and they're going to feel empowered and they're going to feel excited. They're not going to feel constrained. And actually they might not want to go and take an unlimited vacation days. Yeah. They yeah. might want to do something that's reasonable that kind of works within the framework and with the teams and with their sort of goals. Is that something that you've seen in you know Europe, Australia? Uh, what's the adoption on that? I haven't seen that in Australia or anywhere else. Uh, I have heard about it, but no, I haven't actually seen that. No, not at all. It's interesting you bring up about uh, vacations, holidays, we call them in Australia. Recently, as part of my trip in uh, this year, I, the last two weeks, I actually went to Italy for two weeks. I separated that as a holiday as opposed to work-life integration. So it's also very important whilst you're integrating work and life as one. And a lot of people say, oh, if you're available and online, you're always available. And that's not true. It's all about taking control of when you are, your schedule when you are available and switching off. And that's on a, from a day-to-day -day basis and going and living some life, but also separating your vacation from your work-life integration. So the last two weeks I was in over in Europe this year, was two weeks I went to Italy, and 
that was my vacation or holiday. So I did not work for two weeks. So it's also very important to separate those two. And where did you go in Italy, I have to ask? <laughs> a drive around. I went to uh, Lake Como, then more or less went over to Venice, uh, de- down to Tuscany, and then finished for, with three days in uh, Cinque Terre, which was amazing. It was good fun. And what is your uh, what was your sort of best experience in Italy? Best a couple of good experiences. One was a cooking class in uh, Tuscany, just at this small Airbnb we were staying at. So it wasn't a big cooking class, but just with the, the guy and the wife that runs it. And I think we, between the four of us, we drank four bottles of red wine as we worked through the cooking class. And <laughs> it, was just, it was just one of those unique situations. He rang his mother up to get some advice on one of the recipes. You know, it was just very, you know, really down to earth sort of thing. And Venice was amazing. Uh, everyone tells me it's crazy, crazy busy. It was a bit busy, but yeah, we had a Airbnb right on one of the canals there. And yeah, it was incredible. It was yeah, it was good fun. How was the meal that you prepared in your cooking class? <laughs> it was we made homemade pasta. Yeah, that no, was it. Was fantastic. It was it, yeah, <laughs> it tasted even better after four bottles of rum. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a really good place to leave it in terms of uh, a great story on you know, enjoying life, taking the time that you definitely deserve. This story was inspiring to me. You know, I think that people need to take a hard look at what being productive means and what work-life balance means and how they can really get into that mindset of adopting this. Uh, I'd love to learn about some ways that folks can find you, your website, LinkedIn, anything else that you'd like to share. Yeah, well, a website is quite simple, WFA for working from anywhere, WFA.life, L-I-F-E, and there's no .com on the end of that. It's WFA.life, that's it. LinkedIn, you can find me on LinkedIn, Andy Willis on LinkedIn, it's easy to find there. Happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. I spend a fair bit of time on LinkedIn, love uh, that channel. You can find me on Facebook if you like, and happy for you to email me, Andy at WFA.life. Really happy to have a conversation with anyone that needs some help around this. Anyone that I can make a difference to, you know, that's my purpose in life. I'm about helping people have a better life. So please, you know, feel free to call me or get in touch. Well, Andy, I, I really appreciate your time. Um, this was in, inspirational and, and critically important. Thanks again. Yeah. And I'll see you in the ether. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been an absolute blast, Roman. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Bye-bye now.